You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus. Hey everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the flip side of what Dr. Ken says to teenagers when they're in his office. This is the third episode of a series. So if you haven't already listened to the first two episodes of this series, and remember that there's going to be some bonus content on Patreon. If you don't already follow us on Patreon, head on over there. The link is in the show notes. I'm excited about this conversation because it's a little bit different perspective. We're going to, we're going to be, uh, walking into Dr. Ken's office today with our family <laughs> and, and listening to what he would have to say to parents, but then really interestingly, what he says to kids behind closed doors. So I'm interested to find out Dr. Ken about how you handle some of these situations. You know, if we're in your office, something's not going well with our family. We're That's struggling. Right. Things are clearly not going as planned. Maybe we have, or haven't read your book and you're, you know, Let's say we have, we've read your book. We've tried to implement some of these things in our family and things aren't going well. Our kids are ignoring our boundaries. They are um, maybe parents and kids are dealing with a lot of conflict over whether or not uh, these rules are fair. So Dr. Kim, when we you're walk sitting, in here, your... you're sitting in my lobby right now. And yes, <laughs> sweating a little bit. <laughs> Feeling nervous so, about this. Parents are virtually always in there uh, with a pretty surly teenager, very commonly. Mm -hmm. Not always, but mostly they don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I walk out and, you know, the parent will look at me with a slightly apologetic look like, sorry about this. And I ignore them. I go straight to the teenager mm -hmm. and put my hand out. Hey, I'm Dr. Wilgus. It's very difficult for a teenager to just not even say, Hey, I mean, I'm right there looking at you. So mm -hmm. I start right out with the message, which is true, which is technically I work for that teenager. Your parents have hired me, but I work for you. They're concerned about you. Mm -hmm. So I go up, talk to that teenager. Then I introduce myself to the parents. We come on back to the, uh, the parents and the teenager come back to my office. And I start right in with the teenager. I said, so what are you doing here? It's Tuesday afternoon. When did you find out you were coming here? And, you know, most of the time they'll jump right in with, I found out about an hour ago or, you know, two days ago or whatever. Sometimes it's, they're very slow. Occasionally they actually look at their parent or the other is the parent will actually answer for him. Well, I, I just found out today. No, remember we, I'm like, Hey, we're talking, hang on. Like, I know the parents want to be here. I'm trying to engage the teenager in where they are and virtually where they are, what they're thinking about is what am I doing here and why am I here? So mm -hmm. I'll get from them as best I can, their perception of what are we doing here? Uh, and then uh, I'll turn to their parents and I'll say, so um, why did you guys make this appointment? It makes it, it sort of signals that I'm here to talk to you or I'm interested in you. Secondly, that how you see what's going on here is important. Uh, you know, that you may see this as be your force, no big deal. You know, nothing's happening bad, whatever. I want to hear all that. And then we ask the parents what their perception, basically, why did you drag her in here today? And, mm -hmm. uh, and then we go from there for about the first 30 minutes or so getting 
feedback from the parents about what their concerns are. Uh, and if it's a talkative teenager, they'll jump in. But most of the time, it's me stopping the parents after a few minutes going, is that, do you agree with that? Or I'll turn and go, you don't agree with that, right? That she says you're depressed and you have bad friends. You don't agree with that, do you? So that they're, you know, brought into the conversation because a young adult, even if they're somewhat emotionally immature, not able to really talk about things too super clearly when their parents are there, um, you really want to, you know, strengthen them and bolster their position on this uh, for that first part of the session. Is that mm -hmm. visually cleared? Can you picture mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Yes. And now I can only imagine that there are some parents that sit in your office thinking, excuse me, we hired you. That's right. We want you to fix our team. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's true. we want you to be on our side and say all the things that we're saying just in teenage lingo so that he'll finally straighten up and fly right. That's right. Now, it, mm -hmm. it, at first, in that very first session, uh, you'll be pleased that, hey, my kid is, in fact, talking to him when he said he wouldn't say anything. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, certainly, because the second half, then the parents leave and I talk to the kid. Mm -hmm. um, and it's that third part when I talk to the parents without the kid that they'll want to know. So, uh, did, did you tell him certainly at what some point said. during therapy, yeah. cause you know, good, ad, you know, good therapy with adolescent, um, means really establishing connection with the teenager mm -hmm. trust, but also being able to fairly regularly check in with the parents with mm -hmm. advice and so forth. The most common, uh, young therapist mistake is that they'll, parents will say, you know, my my kids saw that therapist for like six months and we never talked to him. He you know, never said anything to us. Well, I get it. It's tough because they're very touchy about what are you going to say to my parents? But if you're not, you know, giving the parents any feedback, then it isn't going to help the teenager either. So mm -hmm. yeah, then but at some point in therapy, when I'm giving, talking to them, uh, it's not unusual. That first one you said, Ashley, yeah. Um, did you tell them that they need to stop being mad at me over these things? Uh, no, actually, I didn't, um, you know, or, or tell them to stop, you know, wanting to be around those group that drinking beer. Sometimes parents think there's that psychology is magic words that you say mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. kind of mesmerize young people into. That's a good point. Thanks. Well, no, it does. It does not work like that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a big part of it is actually helping the young adult to clarify what they're feeling. There, you know, what is the name of this thing that I am so irritated about and so forth? And that creates the other problem, which is if the parent doesn't say, hey, you're not saying what we told you to say. The other sometimes is our kid got madder at us after talking to you than before, mm. because when you put words to your feelings, a lot of times it clarifies and, and can make them more uh, at least communicative about what they're upset about, mm -hmm. which sometimes looks like, are you telling our kid? that we're terrible parents. Are you coaching our, you know, like, like that would be my job as a Christian psychologist to go, okay, if, now that your parents are gone, they're the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do that. That's plus, do you think 20 minutes with one adult is going to suddenly change their happiness into unhappiness about their team? It doesn't work like right. that. So mm -hmm. yeah, those, I disappoint parents in those ways. I think you're making mm -hmm. them upset. No, we're just clarifying. Well, I think often what you're probably saying uh, to the parent in those meetings is 
you think you have control over there, that area, but you actually don't. And your teenager recognizes that. And so when I say, yes, you are allowed to choose whatever music you want because your parents don't know what you're listening to anyway. We always give that, you know, that's one of the first freedoms. So I'm using that as a young, young child, a teenager. But, you know, I'm sure that those parents are saying, wait, wait, no, they can't listen to whatever they want. This is my house, you know, and you're probably having to clarify for the parents. This is an unrealistic area. Yeah, and I'll do that in front, in front of the teenager. You know, again, the parents are the ones that are motivated to be there. I take that for granted. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to win them over. Mm-hmm. So I will sometimes, you know, uh, with the teenager in there, point out things to the parents in a joking manner that they don't have control over. So mm-hmm. if a mom is like, you know, we had a really good year, our sophomore year, and then our junior year, we really started to struggle. I'll stop and go. So you're going to high school with her? You, you said we, are we go? No, no, I mean him, you know, or whatever. So that it's like showing where the boundaries are, the kind mm-hmm. of thing that is, um, that I have no problem pointing that kind of thing out because most of the time parents, especially now, since they've listened to the podcast or read the book, they basically get it, but it's important. One of the big goals is for a teenager to know that his parents get it, that, mm-hmm. that they understand they don't have control. Because it's pretty common for parents to actually reduce their control, but they still talk as if they have control and it's up to them and it kind of reduces the impact. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I'll do even with the parents there. But then, you know, yeah, when the teenager is gone, uh, I mean, when the parents are gone and I'm talking to teenagers, the whole point is that the flip side of feeding the mouth is not, it would make no sense if we're trying to teach parents that these are young adults who want autonomy that your patronizing attempts to help can feel, you know, humiliating. It makes no sense then to turn and talk to your teenager as if that teenager is a child. And mm-hmm. so if I have a teenager that, that, and that's not uncommon, basically wants to complain about everything. My teachers, I, they hate me. Uh, my parents, you know, never, they just get mad at me for everything. I'm going to start right in with, wow. So w- I think one of us in the office thinks you're actually capable of responding to this. But mm-hmm. I think it's me. Like, do you you talk as if you you're helpless with all this? You can't talk to your teacher. Um, you know, I, I I see a 16 year old here and I think you can do some things about this. You know, in other words, my goal there is to bring out the adultness in them and mm-hmm. challenge that natural drive toward autonomy to kind of put that into the the uh, the, the goals that they want. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a parent, I'm thinking, okay, you just saved me a lot of a couple hundred dollars with an office visit with you by saying, <laughs> <laughs> okay, as a parent, I need to be reminding my kid when they're complaining uh, or when they're floundering like a child yeah. that, uh, you know, I think you're really capable of handling this. And I, I have, you know, full confidence that you can take care of this and behave like an and adult just in this leave situation. It alone. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so just reminding I, your kids of their capabilities. And I'll be honest, with, when I talk with teenagers these days, it's harder than it used to be in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the general um, cultural drive to adulthood is weakened over time. You know, we've talked about uh, driver's license used to be practically symbolic of, you know, my adultness and kids aren't pushing for that. So the message that has always been really important for me to get across to teenagers is you are an adult. You know, that annoyance that you feel just then when your mom said, 
be honest with Dr. Wilgus when we're gone. Did you see how that made you mad? It's it's so they're all signs of being an adult. Do you realize mm-hmm. that in all of history, your age now, 14, 15, 13, has always been an adult? And you live in a time where uh, you're not identified as that and you don't even think of yourself as that. Do you think of yourself as an adult? And that's very commonly the answer is no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. What? So a child? Uh, well, not exactly a child either. And so my point will be, well, I'm telling you is what I've been telling your parents or what I will be telling your parents is you're an adult. And um, I think it's annoying for you. Uh, you know, and, and the most common thing then is just to identify what's bothering you uh, is uh, what makes you so mad at your parents usually is I think when they uh, remind you of things that you don't need reminding of, teach you things that you already know, uh, all that kind of thing. And for most teenagers, that lights up like, yeah, you know, some teenagers mm-hmm. are upset that they're so mad at their parents. I I shouldn't have yelled. I, I don't know why I was. Well, let, let's think about it, because I think I know why and try mm-hmm. to get them to at least understand that there is a validity in this thing that they're feeling. Uh, and that's important to parents. You know what? Just the other day, I was talking to some parents who were saying, you know, she was just having that that natural teenage you know, anger at us. And I have to remind them that's a myth. There is no natural teenage anger at your parents. That's always going to be there. There's something behind it. And what's behind Mm -hmm. it virtually always is I feel controlled. I feel talked down to all that kind of stuff. So when I'm talking Mm -hmm. to the teenager, then I'm going to identify that, uh, that that's probably what annoys you. And I use the word judgment for them. I think what's annoying you is not just that they're not letting you do stuff, uh, which is annoying, but I think you feel like you're ready to, sh- you've shown them you have good judgment and they're like, yeah, uh, that, that is what bothers me. So that's one of the first steps is to clarify that this feeling, this struggle you're having probably signals that you are an adult. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm letting you know right now, you are an adult. Dr. Ken, I have a question about confidentiality. Whenever you're working with a family, Sometimes you talk to the parents and you talk to the teen pretty much every time. Yep. Um, when you're talking with the teen, is it confidential or do you let them know up front? Hey, anything we talk about, I can tell your parents or I might tell your parents or what does that look like? Yeah, good, good question. So I, I always run through Dr. Wilkes four rules. I have four rules of therapy in here, which always okay. tell they start with rules, whatever. Rule one, <laughs> you you uh, don't have to talk to me about anything that you don't want to talk about, which is not actually a rule. That's an obvious thing. Like they don't, but Mm -hmm. I want to make sure they know that I know that rule number two, you can talk about anything in here. Try to shock Mm -hmm. me. Everything is talked about in here. (laughs) Rule three, everything you say, I will not tell your parents anything that we talk about. Okay. Rule four, there are a couple of exceptions to rule three. (laughs) if you you tell tell them that i do i say if you tell me you're going to kill a guy or hurt Mm -hmm. yourself or something that's going to bring harm i got to tell them and by that point there you know but you you notice that i emphasize the the part the the confidential part it's Uh sort of like the freedoms and boundaries i'm not going to start with let me tell you the things i have to tell your parent i'm going to start with dude everything in here stays between us Okay. Uh, I have to tell them if you're harm going to be harmed to yourself or someone else. So, and I stick with that. The other thing though, is then when we f- very often during a session, a kid will say, and you know, 
she just always goes on and on. And I think she thinks she's doing whatever. And I'll say, Hey, can I tell her that? Can mm-hmm. I, you mind if I tell your mom that, that, cause that makes sense. And, and my, almost all the time they're like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. In other words, all you have to do is just make sure that the teenager knows what you're going to say basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that it helps to kind of summarize for them uh, that, and, and yeah, and then I do tell the parents. So I end up getting permission to tell them quite a lot of things. Uh, because okay. I have told them that you you are the gatekeeper of that. Okay. So how often do you talk with parents or kind of check in with parents? Because I would I would assume that the majority of parents with teenagers in a psychologist's office want to, want feedback constantly or like at the end of every appointment. Okay, now tell me what happened. How did it yeah. go? I, I end up talking to touch base with parents almost every session, the last five okay. minutes or so. Now, this is going to get some other therapists in trouble because I don't think that's that common. I know. Yeah, but, I think that you're rare. But you, lo- you learn how to juggle it by uh, basically by establishing trust. And mm-hmm. by the way, the reverse is not true. If, if parents say, um, you know, we've arranged to have him, you know, taken off the JV team and we're going to, we've already talked to the coach, but we haven't told him. I'll tell the parents that, well, I mean, uh, when I see your kid next, I'll talk to him about it. Well, I don't know if we're going to tell him yet. Well, you probably better because I'm not going to let your kid know that you told me something and we kept a secret from your kid. I can't do that. I work for your kid. And most parents understand that. So that kid has to feel, you know, has to have trust in you because Otherwise, this whole thing is pointless and they should just be throwing their money out the window. That's right. Now, technically, there are things that aren't good for the kid to know anyway. Like, you know, mom is already thinking of filing for divorce and right. what it, if that hasn't reached the kid's experience, I don't have to go tell everything the parent told me. But anything mm-hmm. relevant to that kid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it works kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how that works as far as just the mechanics of it. But I start with that message. Uh, and generally the message of you're an adult. And I'll use that back and forth when it comes to how they respond to things. Helplessness, you know, my parents, they don't, like, you know, did you tell them that you you don't like that? Uh, no, it won't do any good. Dude, you know, you're an adult. You, you, I get it that you may feel like you can't accomplish anything with them, but, you know, at this rate, they're not even going to know that you object to these things. You need to speak up and and be, you know, be an adult about this. The other adult thing that I'll talk about is that, dude, if you keep flipping out like this, like I know it was made you mad that they took your phone. But when you freak out like that and have this whole fit, you, you I'm worried. And I'll say this to parent uh, to a teenager. I'm worried that you're playing right into their hands. That's what you don't like. You don't like that. They think, oh. He's a kid and needs our help. He's all upset and whatever. Uh, it it works against your goal of letting them know I'm an adult. I don't need this. So when you're being treated badly and you flip out like an eight-year-old, that only reinforces their view. Uh, you really got to show some self-control in objecting, being straightforward that, hey, I think this is unfair, uh, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's how you show them your adulthood. Uh, but you know, but again, you know, if you're uh, basically using the adult drive to help them to kind of gain, uh, sort of reach goals of, uh, of, of being more, uh, demonstrating their independence, their will ability to manage themselves, 
to their parents. That's a big part of the goal. You got to You got to control yourself uh, for these things. You know, if, if you're going to ever show them that you've got it handled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what about when you find out a kid is either, you know, breaking a rule or a law, you know, they're, they're vaping, they're sneaking out at night, right. that sort of thing. Um, and you've got the parents on one side and you got the kid on the other, and you're trying to maintain that relationship with the kid. And, and you're also trying to, um, keep the parents in the loop of things they need to be aware of. How do you handle that sort of situation? Well, that's a good, good question. Uh, vaping is not imminently dangerous. I've never told a parent that your kid is vaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's shocking to a parent, then don't bring your kid to a, th- a therapist because there is no way that you can establish a relationship. I I hear stories of mm-hmm. my last therapist. She said everything was confidential. And then she told my parents that I was vaping and what, well, you're done. You're not going to mm-hmm. accomplish anything mm-hmm. uh, because it's not imminently dangerous. To be honest, if a kid is drinking, um, uh, I'm not going to directly tell the parents. That's not, mm-hmm. again, imminently dangerous, ultimately, but not imminently. And again, you really, the goal is to try to give the teenager voice to their own desires, their own needs, and to try to uh, get them to come to that, you know, kind of think it through themselves. So drinking, for example, is a good example. It's a whole a whole topic of basically intoxication, whether it's marijuana or alcohol, that's going to totally go against your need. If you need to be an adult, that's what you're wanting. You want, don't want to be, you know, controlled and talked down to when you get caught with this, uh, even the suspicion of this, this is uh, only going to invite more control over you. It's working against the thing you're trying to uh, get, get away with or trying to show them by, by showing this illegal behavior. It, it honestly, alcohol and that, and weed creates its own special issue. That's that, uh, cause I've called it limited insanity that there's a kind of thinking, uh, very con- you know, the most common reason that teenagers drink alcohol is to feel grown up. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things that planned emancipation is one important way of showing and giving that, uh, grown upness without, having to pour a beverage down your throat. But um, uh, so with moderate levels of drinking, you can pretty be pretty effective by letting them know this is hindering you. This is going to get in your way uh, of the goal you want. Uh, But when they're really involved in it, really kind of in a group that's already into denial and stuff, that becomes its own problem because kids just don't talk very clearly about it. Uh, The flip side of that is while I don't go inform parents, when I talk to parents and almost always, if there's much drug or alcohol use, they have signs of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be very straightforward. Here's what you need to do. You need to, you know, drug test them. You need to, uh, you know, that's an exception to the, I'm not going to check your room. If I have reason to believe that you have drugs and alcohol, you're going to go in there and check it. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I'll tell the teenager, dude, your folks told me that they had gotten a call and I had to give them the general spiel. Sorry, but that's what I tell all parents when it comes mm-hmm. to drug and alcohol. And they, they understand that. I mean, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not there to, to protect your, your secret drug use. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I will definitely encourage parents to be uh, more um, firm about their response to things like that. But that's not the same as me going and informing on them. Mostly mm-hmm. I'm really trying to help, work with teenagers on just how much that sets them back if they're spending 
time with drugs and alcohol that it's it does not get them toward their goal of autonomous adulthood it only uh slows things down and or even creates big uh, holes and gaps nothing says i'm not ready to be an adult like a six months grounding because once again i was caught drinking with my Mm -hmm. friends that you're you're not going to get anywhere that has to be a very careful dance that you do as a family psychologist for their teenager, because those are some pretty heavy topics. I'm sure that y'all cover and you always want to keep that trust with the teenager because once a therapist breaks trust with a teenager, that teenager doesn't trust that therapist anymore. And they could go to another one. And when they're like, yeah, that's what my last therapist said, I'm not trusting you. That's and so right. a parent has to remember that, um, that you're for the family, like yeah. you're for, you're for the teenager, but like you're for, you're for the family and, and you're there for a reason and they hired you for a reason. And you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's this well, dance. Between- and it's even worse. Oh, I'm going to a psychologist. I'm going to a Christian psychologist. Well, <laughs> he's probably going to pull the Bible out and start saying stuff. Yeah. Nope. 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 Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's very true. But you know, the, the, the part that um, may surprise Uh, some parents is that part of this teaching or encourage basically coaching teenagers into a more adulthood includes things like um, uh, you know, I, I went too far with my girlfriend uh, or whatever. And I told my mom and I'm, I might, you might, depending upon the kid, you might hear me going, dude, why did you do that? Why would you tell them? So things that are important, but um Again, the goal is for them to develop their own uh, their own understanding of things, their own uh, judgment. It's mm-hmm. not always great to run straight to your parents. One of the gr- harder goals now is to teach teenagers who are your friends that are your emotional support, because you it's not actually this will upset some parents. It's not actually great for an older teenager to still be primarily relying on his or her parents for emotional support. Mm-hmm. That sounds bad, but how do you think they're ever going to leave you right. if they have to hang with you and tell you everything and process everything um, with you? And right. that definitely includes things that it's just awkward to talk to your teenager about. And there's certainly things, I don't care how open you are, certain things t- teenagers cannot talk to you about. Um, pornography is v- virtually impossible to talk to a parent about it happens some but it's tough uh parents talk to them about it but you can't expect that to be your primary resource uh mm-hmm. you really have to develop your friendships that are good for you uh and that that you get your support from especially one of the big needs is to have which friend do you have that you can go and call and or text and just say my parents are crazy they are making <laughs> me nuts and that friend that's there to go ah oh, i know dude it's crazy mm-hmm. that helps it helps to kind of release all that to kind of feel that and to develop your own uh group as you leave your mother and father and cling to your own family your own spouse and that includes friendships so sometimes it it is surprising as the things that i sometimes are suggesting i don't know that this is helping you that you're only talking to your parents about this thing what where's your friends where's your own emotional support mm-hmm. that that you surprised broke, you didn't it yeah you just broke my heart so yep, yep. sorry <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> but i do think it's true because you know once you get married 
there's always this golden rule that you, whenever you and your spouse are in an argument or you're upset with your spouse, you don't tell your parents. That's right. Um, because that's right. So there's gotta be this natural separation Mm -hmm. of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's true. It makes makes sense. Still hurts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But as a parent, you know, I do look for ways to put my kids in touch with amazing adults, either, you know, people from either some sort of a ministry like young life or something like that, or, you know, somebody that might work at our church, great youth leaders, maybe an older sibling who's wise and making great choices um, and say, Hey, have you talked to your sister about this boyfriend you've got, you know, anybody that it feels like they can um, be honest with maybe a, an aunt or an uncle that they trust and love and right. You know, making sure that your kids have mentors in all different ways, great teachers, great coaches, um, that they can go to. Cause you don't want to be the only adult in your kid's life. Your kid is not going to talk to you about a lot of things, but they might go to an older sibling and talk to them. They might what, go to a youth pastor. What you said, you don't want to be the only adult in your kid's life. You don't want to be the only support. That's, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, when, when I'm working with parents on the planned emancipation stuff, then I, you know, I absolutely talk to the kid about it. And, and we work both of those things together. Hey, did your folks, did they talk to you about the freedoms thing? By the way, almost always when parents do a freedoms list, the kid comes in. I'm like, so did your parents talk to you? What? They didn't have a talk with you? No. They didn't show you a list of freedoms? Oh, that. Yeah. I mean, it's like never hits their radar <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. hoping it will. But when you go through it, you know, then, yeah, I, it's easier for me to then develop or help them to have at least a reasonable level of compassion for their parents. Mm-hmm. You know that, yeah, well, they're never going to do that. Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I I think they're scared, but they sat in here and said that this is what we want to show that he's, you know, free to do. They're they're kind of trying to do that. You know, I think your mom gets real scared, uh, but, you know, she's a real mommy mom. Right. And he's like, well, yeah, I said, well, yeah, I, you know, she may get upset, but it doesn't mean she's not following. So it's a lot easier to, you know, to try to, it's real hard for teenagers to have compassion uh, for their parents uh, as adults, but it, it makes it easier if they know that, uh, and and I help them to at least believe that, no, your parents are for your eventual freedom uh, mm-hmm. and, and kind of clarify the goof ups, you know, where they act exactly like they are not for their freedom. But mm-hmm, I can yeah. go, yeah, uh, you know, I think your dad's going to regret that he was did that anger thing again. And uh, I know I, I he was in here just last week saying he hates when he does that. But I know that that was bad for you. You know, so so a mm-hmm. kind of, you can develop a dialogue around the planned emancipation process um, mm-hmm. and, and certainly inform parents. Hey, do you mind if I tell your folks that you just said you don't believe this freedoms list at all? Do you mind if I tell them? Yeah, well, you can tell them that. And uh, mm-hmm. so and by the way, half the time when a kid says these freedoms, they're not actually going to give me. They said they are, but they're not. About half the time uh, she's right. They really <laughs> They just feel unnatural. You know, I've parented this teenager, you know, for 12 years as a child, and now I'm supposed to, you know, do things differently. So, you you know, you've been in this habit. So sometimes it feels a little unnatural. Hey guys, I wanted to let you know that Dr. Ken's video speaking directly to teens is now available on Patreon. If you click the link below, it'll take you to our Patreon. When you become a subscriber, you'll have access to all of this content. You're not going to want to miss this video. Well, thank you. This has been a great conversation. And I think it's so interesting to, um, 
you know, imagine myself walking into your office for the first time. Cause I never had that experience, Dr. Ken. I just got to know you, you know, otherwise, but, um, just walking in with my kid and wondering what's going on behind closed doors when I'm waiting in that waiting room for my kid. And are you on my side or theirs? (laughs) And it reassures me to know that you're on both of our sides, that you're, you're wanting the best for our family. So thank you, Dr. Ken. Thank you, Ashley. This has been a good conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at feedingthemouth.com.